You're listening to audio from Redeemer Anglican Church in the urban heart of Richmond, Virginia. We are a parish committed to gospel formation for missional presence through seven essential practices. Telling the biblical story, embracing a new identity in Jesus, finding belonging in the church community, cultivating virtue through redemptive habits, understanding our context in this current cultural moment, laboring in renewed vocations for the common good, and reordering our imaginations through beauty in the arts. To learn more about our church, visit RedeemerRVA.org. A reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, good evening, church. Before we um, get into a very brief homily for the evening, I just want to say a word to our musicians and our vocalists. You all have created something this evening that is exquisite. It's both glorious and haunting. It's joyful and sad. It's beautiful and contemplative. I don't know how you pulled all of these themes together into one thing, but that's Advent, and it prepares our hearts for Christmas more than any words can. So can we just say thank you for a moment? It would be incredible, uh, Orlando, if you had simply replicated all of this, somebody else's arrangements, but it's more incredible that these are all your arrangements. Well done. So friends, a Lessons in Carol's service is about time. It's about time. We have rehearsed the story together. We've looked back through time at prophecies and miracles. And the story culminates with these words from Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Those days. Those days are not our days. We live in a different when, a different time. Question, how can you tell what time it is? How do you determine your when? The obvious answer is you've got chronological time, so you've got your year, your month, your day, your hour, your minute, but that's not the only way to tell time. There's also seasonal time, right? The calendar of society, you've got the church liturgical calendar. You've also got the seasons of your life, right? You might think of different seasons of your life as having different chapter headings. What season are you in right now? That's a way of telling time, yeah? It's so very hard to be content with your own time, with your own days, it's hard to be content with the present moment, isn't it? Some of us wish that time would go an awful lot faster. Uh, kids, question for you. Do you wish it was already Christmas morning? <laughs> yes, 
Thank you, one honest child in the back of the room. Kids are on London time. Parents are on California time. (laughs) Parents, you wish you had two more weeks to get ready, right? I am not ready. But others of us are wishing time would speed up for all kinds of reasons, and some for more serious reasons. You may be ill, and you may be wishing time would speed up so that you can be healed and get back to being healthy. You might be in a season of grieving, and so you just might wish the holidays were over. Like, just get them over, because this season is extra painful for you in a way that it's not for everybody. Some of us just wish time would speed up. Others of us, though, have kind of the opposite instinct. We just wish time would slow down or maybe even work in reverse. Like you might think back to Christmases of past and think it was better then. Life was happier then. I wish I could go back and relive the good Christmases because this one doesn't feel quite as good. Or maybe you wish you could go back because you have regret or shame from seasons past and you just wish you could go back and fix it. Just do it again and do it the right way. Or maybe you're afraid of the future. Maybe it seems like life is just getting harder and harder with every passing year. And so you just wish time would slow down so the future wouldn't come so quickly. We wish time would slow down. Or maybe we wish time would speed up. And yet time doesn't speed up or slow down for us, does it? In fact, it seems to do the opposite. If you want time to slow down, then it seems to race ahead. And if you want time to speed up, then what does it do? It just drags on and on. If you want the sermon to be over, it's just gonna drag on and on, right? So if you want it to speed up, it'll last longer. Time marches to its own beat. There are a few things that speak to our inability to control our own lives as the passage of time, which is why I think so many superhero superhero movies have time travel like as the plot theme. Because what else speaks to the ultimate form of power? The power to undo the past, the power to create an alternate future, it's the power to control time. And yet here we are, right here, It's not Christmas Day yet. We cannot make it come any faster, nor can we delay it. It will come in its own time. And many people today act and live as if they are in what philosopher James Smith calls the land of no when, the land of no time. We kind of live like we're in a place outside of time. And what I mean is you're not a man of your time. You're not a woman of your time. You're kind of, you sort of transcend that. You're not limited to your own time, and you wouldn't want to be defined that way. But not being a person of your own time is not only literally impossible, it's also kind of dangerous to think this way, because if you do not know when you are, then you won't be able to live rightly. You've got to know when you are if you're going to know what to do. This is why, listen, it is so easy to judge and critique our ancestors because we look back through history and we can see clearly from our vantage point, we know when they lived. We know what the important issues were of their day. And so we can judge whether or not they lived well for their time. Of course, it's absolutely terrifying to realize that our descendants are gonna do the same thing to us, right? And they might understand our own time better than we do because they'll be able to see it from a distance. So what is our time? How then shall we live? Timing is everything, right? If you're gonna get it right, timing is everything. If you doubt this, then try this. Tomorrow morning when you open a gift and the person who gave it to you leans in and with wide expectant eyes asks you if you liked it and you wait too long to answer, then it doesn't matter if you say yes because timing is everything, right? A Lessons in Carol's service is about time. In a sense, this service 
pulls us back in time and it invites us to be present to the past, impossible as that may sound. And this can feel kind of anachronistic, almost wrongly so. What are we doing? Are, we, are, are Christians just these people who are just, they just give in to nostalgia full throttle. And that's what this tonight is, just giving in to nostalgia. I mean, you and I weren't in Bethlehem during the census when Quirinius was governor of Syria. What does that even mean? So what business do we have hearing the message of the angels or going to Bethlehem to see the Son of God lying in a manger, as the liturgy said in the beginning of the service? It's like imaginary time travel. It's anachronistic. It's nostalgic. It's wishful thinking. It's a little bit like those 14th century French paintings of monks painted kneeling at the foot of the cross, like monks who painted themselves kneeling at the foot of the cross as Jesus was crucified. It's like the lowest hanging fruit for church criticism. They're anachronistic. They got the timing all wrong. Of course, those monks were in Golgotha in the first century. How ridiculous ancient people were. But I wonder if there's something else at play. Maybe these monks were casting themselves back into the past and maybe they were thinking to themselves, what they wish they could have done if they had lived in those days. And might that not have assisted them in imagining how to live rightly in their days? If you lived in those days when Caesar Augustus issued a decree, what do you wish you had done? And how might that assist you in imagining how to live in these days? Because these days are the ones you have. Mark chapter 1, verse 15 reads, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The Greek word there for time is kairos. Kairos has the sense of it being the appointed time, the fulfilled time. A kairos moment is the present moment with the potential to encounter eternity. A kairos moment is this present moment, but it has the potential to encounter eternity. So eternity, in a sense, in a kairos moment, wears thin. The veil between the present and eternity wears thin. You can almost see through it. You can almost sense light shining through, and it becomes translucent. If you need an example, then you might think about tomorrow morning, how we as a church are going to gather for Holy Communion at 10 o'clock, and in the Eucharist we will receive tomorrow morning, it's something of a kairos moment. It's a moment in the finite present where you have the potential to encounter eternity. God's love for you, God's eternal love for you, but present in the bread and the wine. And do you know what another kairos moment is? This one right now, tonight, Christmas Eve. The veil between the present and eternity is thin tonight. And so you're invited through the Holy Spirit to encounter God as he comes to us in the incarnation of the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity. And so, listen, it's not a stretch. In Bethlehem, you are there. In the fields with the shepherds and the angels, you are there. And in your room tonight, as you lay down to sleep, he is there. God entered time. Jesus came to us then. He is still in time. And so Jesus comes to us now. And so no matter who you are, whether your inclination is on one hand for time to speed up and the future to arrive more quickly, or on the other hand, you wish time would slow down so that you can linger on the good moments of the past, either way, you have the ability to be fully present in this moment 
right now, right here, tonight and also tomorrow morning. And so whether you're burdened with grief or whether you're giddy with excitement, wherever you are on the emotional spectrum, you're not no when. You're not a timeless person. You're right here, right now. These are your days, and you are connected with those days. You might even visit them. In just a moment, we're going to sing Silent Night, and we're going to sing it in the present tense. Have you ever noticed that you always sing Silent Night in the present tense? Isn't that strange? God the Father entered time through God the Son, and God the Spirit now dwells within us. Therefore, eternity is in our hearts. And so we, through the Spirit, are present to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Thank you for listening. To connect with our team or to learn more about our church, visit RedeemerRVA.org. We look forward to knowing you. Go in peace.